0: Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode because it is time to drop in. Hello, listener. Just a quick note before you dive into this next episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast. As you know, we talk a lot in terms of unfiltered truths and raw, honest conversation. As a result, there are some subjects that have a little bit of sensitivity and some content warnings that come along. If you're listening to this and you feel at any point you're uncomfortable or your nervous system feels dysregulated, or you're not in a place and space for what it is that you're hearing, it's okay to pause the episode, come back to it at a later time, or maybe never at all. Don't worry, you just need to pay attention and do what feels right for you. If this episode isn't for you, there are plenty of other episodes for you to check out. Thank you for taking good care of yourself and we appreciate you being here. Today, I have a very special guest joining me. Gianna DiMedio suffered a string of losses in her 20s, with the most significant being her father, Gary, in May of 2017. In order to cope, she turned to blogging and podcasting. Now her podcast, So Sorry for Your Loss, which shares guest stories of grief, analyzes how grief is portrayed in pop culture, and allows listeners to come to a place where they are understood, has reached countries around the world, and she has helped thousands of listeners on their grief journey. She began a new endeavor in June of 2021 with an online shop for sympathy gifts, which honestly, Gianna, <laughs> we'll talk about like <laughs> how much of a good idea that is because after my dad died, we got a lot of things that we didn't really need because people don't know about that. Um, when someone she knows becomes a part of the grief club, Gianna began sending self-care items, her favorite grief books, and cozy pajamas for the days you just want to stay in bed. She consistently receives DMs on Instagram from people asking for advice on what to gift someone for grief. She thought, maybe I can start an online boutique with modern sympathy gifts. With much thought, research, and care, All the Skies was born. The name of the brand is influenced by her dad, telling her he loved her more than all the oceans and all the skies every time they parted. She's been on a short hiatus from her podcast since pregnancy and welcoming her second child, but will be back in the game in no time. Gianna, this is a very, very special uh, recording for me. As I shared in our little pre-interview chat, I am going to be doing a special chapter in this season for grief because I think it's something we don't talk about a lot. And I'd like to share with people how you and I met because you were someone that I didn't want to co-talk to. Um, I saw you at the Selfish Philly conference that's put on by the Wellness Collective every year. And we had just listened to a panel. It was like a womb care panel. But um, in that panel, uh, Nikki Colmoni, who actually has an um, episode on this podcast with me, she was like, what triggers you is for you. Like lean, lean into it. Mm. And I was seeing your table over there on the corner of the room. And I was like, oh my gosh, that, that lady's over there. For like grief stuff. Like, I am going (laughs) to avoid that table like the plague. I'm absolutely not going to go over there. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. And after she said that, I could really feel this like little tug on my heart to just come over and talk to you. And I approached and you were like, hi, you know, it was so great. And I was like, look, I don't really want to be here right now, (laughs) but I really felt like I should come talk to you. And um, at that time, we talked
1: for a while. We had a good talk. We
0: did. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because like I didn't even realize. How much we had in common at that time mm-hmm. and how much we would come to have in common. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know, I knew you were there about, you know, something to do with grief, but I had no idea that you two had lost your dad. Yeah. Um, we found that out. And then, um, later on, you know, I also went through miscarriage and that's something else that we have in common yeah. now. And so we are like, grief sisters at this point. And it was just such a beautiful connection. I was like, you know what? I think I'm starting a podcast soon. I know you have a podcast. Would you be on my podcast? And you're like, absolutely. Let me know when you get it started. Send me a link. And you were way pregnant when I sent you over the link. (laughs) I was like a week from birth, I think. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. Yeah, You were like very (laughs) pregnant. And I was like, look, take your time, take your time whenever you want to schedule. And, um, you were able to make this work, and I really appreciate you being here today. So for the people who don't know you, don't know your story, um, obviously we shared a little bit in the intro, but just in your own lived experience, what kind of brought you here to being
1: a guest on a podcast specifically, you about know, talking grief. about grief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that beautiful intro and thank you so much for having me. I, I mean, it is really funny how life works sometimes. And it's just like, just that, that one little moment of you deciding to walk over to my table and now here we are connecting again and realizing how much we have in common and like different ways that our stories can help each other. And that's what I think is so great about this is that how the stories of others can really help you with grief. So, you know, for you bringing this to your listeners, I applaud you in that. I applaud you in starting the podcast in general, because it was cool that you were like, oh, I'm going to start this thing. And then to actually see it come to fruition was really neat for me. Um, But so I'm here because I lost my father uh, suddenly in Two thousand and seventeen and it's interesting. I say suddenly, and then I'm like, but it was over five days, but it, it really was, you know, it wasn't like a prolonged sickness or anything. He had a heart attack and it was five days of fighting for his life. I mean, he was uh he, w- he was unconscious, he was intubated, there was no talking to him once the heart attack happened. I often say I feel like I have two Death anniversaries being the day that he went into the hospital, May seventeenth, and the day that he passed, May twenty second. They both really trigger me. It's a very intense week of the calendar every year. Um, and then from there, I was kind of just thrown into this world of what the hell just happened. What am I supposed to make of this? Um, you know, there was there was a lot with. The, the unit that we were, my parents were divorced. I'm an only child. So like the life that I had with my dad was very much me and my dad and my grandmother. My grandmother also passed a few months after him. So it was like everything I had known about this life on this one side was all of a sudden gone. And I had to really like figure out my identity and, and who I wanted to be in the family, who I wanted to be in, in my own world. Um, so there was a lot of work that had to be done. I buckled down, went to therapy, blogged, journaled, podcast, did whatever I could to really talk about it. And I think that's like the only way that I was able to survive. Um, a little bit after that too, my, I was dating my husband at the time. Um, and my future mother-in-law had passed away as well. So that was I mean, between my dad, my grandmother, my mother-in-law, and um, there was a, a friend in between. I mean, it was just, I, I felt like I was like, how can I not focus on grief and death right now? Because it's really surrounding me from all sides. Um, so it's it's been really difficult. And I obviously that comes as no surprise. I feel like that's like such like lame words for to explain the feelings because it's like so much more than that. But I am, this May will be six years, and I am at a really, really good place with it. I think that the like really diving into the topic and just my own feelings surrounding the people that I've lost and understanding what loss really is and what the relationship can be with the person when they're gone, and you know, the memory can still be really strong. And connecting with people like you, connecting with people who have had their own losses and and how that helps, you know, kind of keep me upright every day to know that I have people to reach out to that understand. Um, I, I've gotten comfortable with my grief. You know, you don't ever get over it. It'll never get better, but like, it does get easier. Like, I I don't like all this stuff that's out there. That's like, it'll never be okay. And it's like, that's so harsh to let somebody think that who's just coming into this world of loss or have just lost somebody in their life. Because I disagree. I real, I do think it gets better. I think that you're not like, if I compare myself and I'm sure you feel this way too, like to think of the day, like just after your, your dad died, like you may still feel pain. And you miss him, but like, it's not that acute grief all the time, forever, you know? So I I don't know if you you disagree. And and there's certainly some times where you can feel that intense pain, but it's, I, I think to say that that's what your life is now forever is just not true. Yeah. And that is
0: something that I really appreciate you sharing in terms of just comfortable, right? it isn't something that goes away mm-hmm. it really is something that you learn to live with and how much you are suffering um that is where i feel like we get to do a lot of work and a lot of healing and a lot of coming to a place in our lives where it it's never going to not hurt it's never going to not be this thing that Causes sadness. It's never going to be that you don't miss that person. But being, you know, comfort for me is also like at peace almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, for, for me, being in the very beginning of year two, it's very hard for me to accept that he's not here. Mm-hmm. I, that's like really where I'm at. Um, year one, you know, like we were talking about a little bit in the pre interview. It was a lot of shock, a lot of, uh, n- like, feeling numb, not really, like, coming to terms with the fact that he's not here. Um, And then year two has really been like, oh, wow, he's, yeah. he's, not, he's not here and he's not going to be here.
1: So I had a very strange way of uh, getting through the first anniversary or what I guess I thought was going to happen after the first anniversary. And I wonder if you felt this way, that – I had convinced myself that it was all just a test. It was all just to see if I would be able to handle it if he were to die. And that if I made it to the one year anniversary and if I got through all the hoops and I was successful and I, you know, just put forward a good face, that he would come back. And then when I got to the one year anniversary and spoiler alert, my dead father didn't come back. (laughs) It was like, like I was, it was happening all, like I lost him all over again. Like logically, I knew that wasn't real, but I was still holding on to some weird theory in my head that I, this isn't, this can't be real. Like, okay, well we'll just get to the one year anniversary and then it'll all be over. Like I'll have made it through a year and it'll be fine. So then, yeah, it was like having to go through it again. And then we talked about like the second year people kind of drop off. It's not in the forefront of everybody else's minds. Like it is with yours. People aren't as empathetic or as soft or as caring for you. And it kind of becomes Real life, and you have to move forward with it, etched in stone. Now, yeah, I.
0: I it's so interesting when I have these conversations with people. I, I really leave it very open ended, just to see what is going to come through. And and this is something I don't think I would ever have admitted any time to anyone else. Like my fiance doesn't even know this, but. It's so beautiful that you're normalizing this because, like, I too had a weird delusion about. <laughs> so, my delusion was that there's going to be a lottery. And if we can basically like present enough evidence as to like why he should come back. Oh, right. Like, that, that, you know, if, if we can prove that he's needed and that all these people miss him and that he still has work to do here and that like all of our lives are shit like without him um if we can if we can prove that if we can make a good enough case that they'll like rescind his death yeah. essentially and like give him back and it's one of those things where i would be you know not sleeping at night and thinking like okay like this is what i can present as evidence and obviously this and so they have to give him back because of this and that is something i've not shared with anybody at all because I was like this obviously like I know that that's not real or rational but the fact that my body and my mind came up with that as a way to yeah. cope and it's like I'm I'm so happy that you said something about that because I'm like I'm like this is something I'm never going to say to anybody because this is like the weird thing that my brain is doing to like get through this and I know it's not
1: real but it's working In a bizarre way, but it was a defense mechanism. There's so many of those things, aren't there? Yeah. Like it's like the you, you have like two angels on your shoulder, like a devil and an angel. Like one is like your rational brain. That's like, I know this isn't a thing, but then your emotional one is like, yeah, but let's play with it for a little bit and let's see if it is. Like there are so many things in grief like that that, I think that's what makes it hard too It's like you have this rational side to you, but all of a sudden it's like all, all like common sense goes out the window because the emotions just take over. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And and it it was interesting because I, I, I too put that year deadline on it where like if, if it was going to work, it was going to work before the one year. And then like after the one year, it like somehow became like solidified that he like lost his chance to like come back essentially that- they would consider any evidence in terms of like bringing him back or getting him back. Um, And then I, and that was, so it was, and I also didn't know that uh, it was a heart attack for your father as well. And it it was for my dad too. Um, Really? Yeah. He had a normal day, um, very normal day. My fiance and I were staying with my parents. Um, We were living in Texas at the time, staying with my parents for the holidays. And, he had a normal day. He had made spaghetti for dinner. My dad made bomb spaghetti and meatballs, <laughs> and he had walked the dogs. Like I heard him come up the stairs to go to bed, um, and then somewhere like after five o'clock in the morning, I'm not exactly sure. Like we just woke up to my mom screaming,
1: oh my
0: gosh. Um, and had gone in, and it was now looking back on it, it was obvious that he had been gone for a quite a bit of time before my mom woke mm-hmm. up. There was no. There was no saving him. And hearing your story, if he hadn't passed in the middle of the night in that way, it probably would have been something very similar to your dad where it would have been like hanging on by a thread. And I know that that would come with its own trauma. Um, And it was just so sudden, right? So that was like there wasn't like this decline. And I find myself... This is like another weird confession since that's what we're doing on this episode. I love it. I find myself feeling angry towards people who get to say goodbye mm-hmm. to people who they know have a limited amount of time. And I I chose to see a client. I chose to see a therapy client that night um, instead of having dinner with my dad. Mm. And that is something that I'm – working through. Um, obviously you think, oh, like tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to have tomorrow. And I, I didn't say good night to him that night. Like it was just, you know, one of those things. And I was like, that was the last chance I had to like say that I love you and to get a hug. And like, I, I didn't even do it.
1: So I have something to say on that because I did have that opportunity, not the last night, but like the, when I look at the last, I'm actually very happy with how they went. Um, I remember he called me, it was mother's day and he called me and I actually answered. Like I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, I should just like, let this go. Cause I'm at brunch with my mom. And I was like, whatever, it'll take a minute. And I answered. So that was one of my things of like, oh my God, imagine if I ignored that call. And that was the last time I ever spoke to him or whatever. And then the last time that we saw each other, like I just have this memory of the most enormous bear hug in the driveway before we parted and just leaving with like such a smile on my face. That being said, I still will find instances that I wreck myself over of the time I chose not to stay at his house because I wanted to go sleep at a friend's house on you know, his weekend in the divorced parent world. Or the time that I just should have stayed longer and left early or didn't spend a certain holiday with him or whatever. So had it not been that one last goodbye, like you still would find one to wreck yourself over because I'm living proof of that. Like I'm doing it like literally thinking of a weekend in eighth grade that I went to go sleep at Kate's house instead of being at his house. Like that keeps me up at night. So I I think it's just one of those things with grief where like, there is no winning game. Like there is, there is no way to have like overcome that part of it. Like it finds you in no matter what angle. Mm, Yeah. And you know the the other thing that I
0: has been coming up in my mind and this is something that I'm sure that you can speak to is being on the precipice of starting a family mm-hmm. like I'm going to bring two three four whatever however many like one <laughs> if I'm able to souls into this world that like I'm gonna sign up to have this Piece of my heart walking around outside of my body, completely unprotected, and like anything can happen at any time. And I'm so I'm going to I'm going to sign up for that. I'm going to sign up for like having more to be able to lose potentially. Yes, and it's this very interesting dichotomy of like wanting to do that so much because I know how beautiful and fragile and precious life is, but then also being absolutely terrified of it because somebody can be here and then not
1: be here. A hundred percent. I mean, I love that you brought this up because I think this is incredibly important. And one of those aspects that people may not think about as pertaining to grief, right? Like we always think, Oh, it's just the person that died and how you feel about them. But there are so many other ways. It's like this web that just comes out and hits other aspects of your life. And Choosing to have a family is certainly one of them for more reasons. I mean, we could sit and have a seven hour podcast on that topic in grief alone that like subset, subset, subset of it. But it's something that I definitely struggled with and that I went to a specific therapist for. I'm, I'm going to butcher what it is, but I, I think it was like a, um, I don't know if it, it wasn't a perinatal psychiatrist, but maybe it was just a prenatal psychiatrist. It was somebody within the the OBGYN department um, of a hospital. And this is what she specialized on. It was the mental health around pregnancy. So she certainly dealt with a lot of people that have miscarriages or infertility. She dealt with people that do IVF and in vitro and, you know, have ethical questions and, and um, difficulties with going down that path. For me, it was, how do I know I'm ready to open myself up to getting hurt again basically to welcoming a life into this world that I know now can be taken from me because you know that people die we grow up knowing that that that's a thing but there's this protection that we're kind of that's kind of innate in us to say But that doesn't really happen to us. That only happens to, you know, if you do something bad and you have bad karma. But if I'm a good person and I'm good in this world, bad things like that, like my loved one's dying, won't happen to me. When your loved one dies, and that is, that innocence is almost taken from you. It's stripped away. I mean, you, I I don't have to, you, you probably deal with this. And this is probably, unfortunately, what a lot of your lost sleep is, like that, somebody going to the, your grocery store your fiance going out on a bike ride or whatever, like you, it just goes in your mind, the hundred ways that you could lose them. It becomes incredibly real and painful and heavy. And I talked with this psychiatrist about, you know, how am am I going to be okay? Am I in a good place for this? So it was probably about two and a half years after that, after my dad's death, that um, my husband and I started trying. And once I did get pregnant, my therapist has to have a frank talk with me about like, you know that this baby isn't going to be your dad, that like you're not bringing him back because I got so hot on this idea of like, oh, but it's going to be like his DNA and it might even look like him and maybe it'll act like him. And she basically said, like, you can't put the pressure on this baby to fill that void in your heart. And it, it, was, it was a lot to, to think about and a lot to make sure that I, I wasn't putting that pressure. But at the same time, it, it, having my daughter has been such a beautiful connection to my dad that it has helped my heart in so many ways that it kind of trumps all the fear that mm. I had had, or like, it's unfounded. Like I don't sit here all day long and think, oh my God, what if something happens to her? Don't get me wrong. In the first couple of weeks <laughs> when you're looking at this little baby and you're like, I'm never going to let you go into the outside world. You're just <laughs> going to stay here forever. <laughs> it is scary, but it's, you know, one of those things I can say now that I'm on the other side of it, like... If I didn't have the worst pregnancies in the world, I would have eight children (laughs) because I would want to just have so much love around that is a part of who my dad was, a part of who my mom is, a part of the people in my family and my DNA and, and my husband and what, you know, what love can create and can bring into this world. Um, so from somebody that's been through it, I totally can agree that it's scary as hell, but when you're on the other side, you'll be so happy that you did it. Mm.
0: And that's, I tell my clients a lot, um, that we can operate out of two places living life. We can either operate from a place of love or a place of fear, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's really everything kind of boils down to like, what are you going to choose? How are you going to choose to live your life? Is yeah. it in alignment with love or is it in alignment with fear? And Fear very, very rarely, like, unless you're like running for your life from like, you know, a saber-toothed tiger or whatever, fear very rarely is going to bring something good Mm. into your Mm -hmm. life. However, coming from a place of love, yes, it might be a lot more difficult. It might be a lot more uncomfortable. Um, but it's always going to be more worth it in the end. And I was working with a client recently and they are processing a loss that happened when they were young. Uh, They lost a sibling and this is like 20 years later after the sudden death of a sibling. And this client has manifested a lot of that type of thing into like control, right? Like, you know, if I can make my world really small, if I can control things. And I think that this is the Piece that we struggle with as human beings in the sense that when you lose someone, it doesn't make it any more or less of an option than it was prior to that loss, right? Mm -hmm. Like it is something that exists regardless of whether it happens to us or not. But to your point, once it happens, it then becomes real. Mm -hmm. It's this thing that can actually happen. And we're very ignorant to that fact on purpose. I think we're almost like biologically wired to ignore the fact that like we could all go at any given moment. Like that is, that is a truth. It is a fact of our life here as human beings. Like that's how it works. And once that becomes real to you, I feel like we almost go into this mode where we're like, okay, like how can I prevent that from happening? That was like terrible. I don't ever want to experience anything like that again. If I can just figure out this, 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 and this, then I can maybe keep that from happening. But there is nothing that we can do. Yeah. We don't have any control. We yeah. really, really don't. I mean, there's people that or like eat all their vegetables back- and run every day and exactly. <laughs> have heart attacks. Yeah. You, know? you always
1: see that. It's like the, the 105-year-old lady and you're like, how'd you do it? And she's like, I smoked a pack of cigarettes and drank a bottle of scotch every day. So <laughs> there's nothing to do with the vegetables or living life well. But going back to... um Know even me saying, like, okay, well, I could take my newborn and I could say you're never leaving this room and I'm gonna keep you here and I'm gonna keep you safe and you're never gonna interact with the outside world because I want you to live forever. But like what kind of life is that? Like where that so that doesn't even get you to a place of, of this happy life that you're trying to achieve because you're just hindering any good experiences that you would otherwise have. So yeah, I mean, sometimes in trying to prevent the bad from happening, you're actually preventing the good too.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And coming from a place of fear, right? Mm -hmm. And even in – so it's been interesting for me because I feel like for me, my dad is still impacting people, still touching people, even us having this conversation. Like my dad was somebody who helped anyone and everyone. Like he like the neighbor needed to borrow like a bush trimmer. Um this was something that they they shared with us after they found out that my dad had died. The neighbor needed to borrow a bush trimmer. And not only did my dad like let him borrow the bush trimmer, he came over and like helped him trim his Aww. bushes. Like didn't even really know this neighbor at all. They had like just moved in and, and like that's the ki- type of person my dad was. And I know that he was so proud of what I do and the work that I do and that was like one of the reasons that you know, I'm like, oh, you know, he'll understand if I see one last client, you know, tonight, because it was December 30th. And then usually, like, I don't see clients, you know, that first week of New Year's. And um, and I feel like even in having these conversations, like going back to what you said in the beginning of this about the memory, right, he's helping people through me. And I know that that is such a bigger legacy than he probably ever would have imagined for himself. And that is the part that for me I'm really trying to lean into. It's hard because there's definitely days where very selfishly I'm like, I want, I want my dad here for this. I broke something the other day and I had a thought where I'm like, oh, I can take it to my dad. My dad'll fix it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, like he, no, that's that's not an option. Mm -hmm. Um and I, you know, fixed it myself and he w- I know that he would have been proud of me. But uh, those moments, they just, they come up and I'm like, I I want you to be here and and you're not, you're not here. And I don't think that it's ever going to stop coming up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They The moments like that, that have hit me this year, I guess, and, and like in this tier of grief or where I am now, this chapter, if you will, have been surrounding my kids a lot because I have first of all it's so weird to say kids. But <laughs> yeah, I have two of them now. now as of five <laughs> weeks ago. Um but it's like and I think you and I might have discussed this a little bit and how I have grieved him as a father. I've grieved him as my dad and what that means for me. And there's always gonna be issues with that. But I do feel like I've gotten the bulk of that out of the way where I have not grieved and what is new is grieving him as a grandfather and what that relationship is to my children. So that's something too, that like, there's, like I was saying, there's going to be stages of grief. There's going to be, you know, you're going to be different in your, in your own life. And there's going to be things, whether it's like, Oh, I like now I have my own house and I, need him to fix something or, you know, like for your situation, whatever else it is. But for me, it's been, you know, we live uh, in a different state now. So when family comes in from out of town and they were coming for my daughter's second birthday party, it was like, why aren't I picking him up at the airport? Why aren't I preparing for him to come? Why aren't we sitting around the pool drinking a bottle of wine right now? Like we are with the rest of the family, like those types of things, have been really difficult. Um, as you were saying in that, that moment of wanting to call him to help you to fix something. Um, so there, there are things that, that mostly like pertain to, to my kids. So it's been, you know, when you said about fear, like I agree, I think it's obviously much better to approach things with love, but I think the fear can be helpful in terms of kind of putting like blinkers out and saying like, watch for this, watch for this, make sure that, you you know, or or like, this is going to be a problem. I'm scared of this to make you focus on it or give it a little bit more attention than you would have. Um, And so now it's like my fears and my blinkers are kind of going off as it pertains to my children. So it's this whole other um, type, like I said, tier of, of grief to go through. So that was certainly something I wasn't I don't want to say prepared for because I, I kind of knew that it might cause some things, but I guess not in this way. Like I thought it would it would affect me in like, oh, I don't have my dad here to like experience my children with me, but not necessarily grieving him as a grandfather, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
0: the different, that's so interesting that you bring that up in terms of like the different types of grief and we can experience different types of grief around the same person but then also grief that we experience in terms of loss is always going to be different as well and you had said you lost your dad and your grandmother and you know also had experienced miscarriage and And that was like something that I realized after, you know, I I went through pregnancy loss that I was like, oh, well, here's like just some more grief to add into my other grief. But it was like its whole own grief. Mm -hmm. And now I have a bunch of triggers that come up in relationship to my dad. But then I also have a bunch of triggers that are now coming up for me in terms of pregnancy loss. I have a friend who is having a baby shower. Um... She's literally due right around when I would have been due. Mm. And I have her baby shower. And I'm not going to not go to this baby shower because it's one of my dear, dear friends. And it it is something that I want to go to, but I am um I am struggling. I'm struggling. Yeah. I I struggle anytime it gets brought up on a show that I'm watching or in a movie or anything like that. Like it is in the tears just. Come, Um, and it's a very visceral thing. Versus with my dad, it's this emotional thing. But with the pregnancy loss, it's almost like my body has this association with Mm -hmm. it that my
1: mind isn't a part of. Sure, yeah. I think I sent it to you. Jennifer Morrow uh, does a lot of a lot of stuff on on this topic specifically, like the logistical parts of going through miscarriage. So how to navigate social media after, how to navigate a friend's baby shower specifically. And she had said that, so for her story, she lost her son, Matthew, in the thirties of, of pregnancy, like thirty mm-hmm. week 36 or 37, and it was horrible. Um, but she says, like, if you if there's any single part of you that feels like you don't want to go to this, don't go. If it's a close enough friend, they will understand. And the part that I loved, and she made total sense in this, is like, you don't really get to spend time with them at a baby shower anyway. There's a ton of people there. There's a lot of hubbub. So yes, like your presence and it's like out of respect for your friend and like your love for your friend, you want to be there. But like how much of that time is really spent with your friend? So I'm just going to leave that there and say to you. That's also,
0: that is a a valuable point because I think also, you know, as as women, we're conditioned to like uh like that self sacrifice is love, essentially. Yes. So you can be in the corner having like the most horrendous time trying to regulate yourself and your friend is obviously gonna know that you're there, but it's not like they're, you know, getting some quality time with you. And so yes. you're putting yourself through this horribly triggering experience for Like, really, what, what value and what purpose? Yeah. Um, I actually really love that you, you brought that up.
1: Ask her to go to lunch and say, Hey, like, I still want to make this really special for you. So let's do lunch. Let's do you and me. Let's talk about this together. And, you know, what, because maybe it'll feel different. There's also something to be said for the fact that like she knows what you went through and mm-hmm. therefore like you're allowed to feel your feelings. But when you're in a room full of other people and it just feels uncomfortable, and you know that feeling of like you're already gonna burst, and then somebody looks at you and goes, Are you okay? And you just <laughs> <laughs> the words <laughs> explode. You know, so it's like if you can save yourself that at that at, at the 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 baby shower and just be in a in a safe place just you and your friend and then maybe that's the best. I did have a situation where a friend of mine um had recently gone through a divorce and it was a friend's wedding shower and you totally hit the nail on the head with the the self-sacrifice thing and she kept saying like but I just want to be a good friend and I just want to you know I want to be here for her as she's like blubbering throughout the party and we're like honey this is not being a good friend right now <laughs> you know like you're causing more attention to yourself than than it is like being a supportive friend. So um I just just hold that and think about it for a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's valuable for anybody listening to hear as well because again, like we we are conditioned to believe that's like, oh, well you just you just show up. You just show up anyway. You just, you know, put whatever it is in a corner and you show up for people, but you know, really like how helpful is that in the in the long run, and it also just like perpetuates this whole like act like you're fine, act like you're fine, yeah. act like you're fine. Like it happened how many months ago? It happened how many years ago? Act like you're fine um, because you want to make other people comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's an important thing that I've recognized with grief is that grief makes people incredibly uncomfortable because we are living, breathing, walking reminders of what can happen as human beings. right? Yeah. And it's the part of being a human being that we don't really want to look at and make a part of our reality. So we're like, look away, look away, look away. And it's like you've had a year to grieve or whatever, like you're good, right? You're good. But it's more because they need us to be good. Oh, 100%. Versus anything that's going, and like being conditioned to be a people pleaser or being conditioned to be a polite, you know, woman and all of these different things. Like, I feel like I come up against that a lot where I'm like, no, I'm not okay. And like, no, you actually haven't been showing up for me. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm okay because you don't know what to do with me. Yeah.
1: I also think the construct of time is very strange. And I remember like three months after my dad died being like, I need to get my shit together and I need mm. to. Wow. Three months. Right. So now we can say that and being like, Oh my God, that's so soon. But like to me in that time when like, I literally just sat there all day long and just was like, how did this happen? You know, it, it felt, three months felt like a very long time. And I, I felt like I saw the world continuing to move around me and I put this pressure on myself But yes, now I look at it and I'm like three months, Jesus, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even said that to somebody that's just, you know, coming over the year mark or or two year, like it's, that's still like to me looking at you in two year, like that's year two, like that's very still recent. (laughs) So it's like, if you look at maybe going to somebody's baby shower in a year from now, maybe you won't feel this way and you'll look back on it and be like, God, I wish I wasn't so hard on myself. I wish I would have given myself that that grace and allowed myself the opportunity to not go. But it's it's hard to tell yourself when you're you're in it because your perspective is just so skewed. Mm. Hmm. Yeah,
0: and. I think that's also where like we have this battle, um, between how we're feeling and how we want to feel if we're being honest. And that is definitely part of it for me, even in terms of the baby shower. Like I very much want to be okay. Mm -hmm. I very much want to be able to show up and have it not.
1: And you will, you know, like that one event is not an indication whether you Amber are ever going to move on from it. You totally They're very separate, very separate things.
0: But we like to rush, right? Like we like to rush. We don't want to like hang out and feel like the uncomfortable feeling. So we're like, oh, I'll just like pretend like I'm okay. And then you essentially (laughs) traumatize yourself even more.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's Uh, what it was. I mean, you're that's exactly right. You just said it in terms of when I was pressuring myself to feel better. It was because I was just so freaking uncomfortable and I just wanted it to be better and I wanted to feel better and I wanted to get rid of all those feelings. And What's interesting and and what like really a cornerstone of of what I do and my mission is is to encourage people to not rush it and to dive headfirst into it, to take the bull by the horns, to wrestle it, to cuddle the bull a little bit, pet it, just be there. Like really take those feelings and understand them because you can't rush through like you Doing that doesn't make them go away. It just pushes them off to the side. And then they're going to rear their head at a very inopportune time, like six years later when you're about to get married or six years later when you're about to have a child for the first time or whatever it is, all of a sudden the grief that you never tackled is going to be there bigger and badder than ever. Like it Mm -hmm. doesn't, there's no, there's no getting away from it. So It doesn't have to happen all at once, but at some point taking the time to really try to understand what grief is in general, what your feelings towards it are, what your relationship with the person is, how you can continue that relationship going forward, figuring out different dynamics in the family and how that plays into it. Because as I'm sure you know, like we've talked about, it it doesn't just stop with the person dying. There's so much that goes on. But the more that you can, spend time with all of that, the better you're making it on yourself and the mm-hmm. better that it will be. And so to your listeners, kudos for even picking this episode to listen to, because mm-hmm. hopefully this means you're trying <laughs> to understand your feelings as as it pertains to grief.
0: Yeah. So going along with that, as somebody who a lot of people come to, what are some resources, good people to go to that you would maybe... Invite people to start to look into because again, it doesn't matter if your loss was last month, last year, 10 years ago. Chances are there's probably some like unresolved shit hanging out there that Mm -hmm. is impacting the way that you're living your life. And if you feel like it's impacting your life in a way that you don't love, there are options in terms of being able to not have to process that and live with it alone.
1: Yes. yes. So great question. And you are hundred percent right. I have people come to me all the time asking for that specifically, like what is something that I can go to that can help me through this? This seems so overwhelming. And there are a lot of things out there. It's so interesting. Like you don't really know of them, but they're, it's like, once you open that door, you're like, Oh my God, look at this whole world in here, because it's not something that you would normally know of, unless you've been thrust into this world. So I did put together this grief guide that I wanted to be able to put, you know, hand out to everybody in this pretty pink little package and say, this is everything that you needed to know to be able to start this journey into grief. And it's on my website, gianadimedio.com. Um, free PDF guide. It's like 20 pages worth of podcasts, books, uh, support groups, different YouTube videos. Like um, Nora McInerney is absolutely phenomenal. She is an author. She has a podcast and she has a really influential TED talk about grief. Um, Her story was she had a miscarriage, lost her husband and lost her father with all in like six months. And her... Podcast is called "Terrible Thanks for Asking," which is you know everyone's like, "How are you?" And it's like, "Well, if you're really honest, you're te- I'm terrible. I'm terrible." And um, she goes through people's stories of of grief and loss and just really shitty times. As she as she says, that is a really wonderful one. Um, Cheryl Sandberg, who was the CEO of Facebook uh, famously, unfortunately lost her husband when they were on vacation in Mexico, leaving behind their two children. She wrote a book with a psychology professor from Penn University and Penn University, University of Pennsylvania. Me saying that, like, I'm like from Philadelphia and I just butchered that. I was like, not, I was, I was not going to correct you, but I was like, <laughs> Janet, come on. Uh, but it's okay. You just had a baby. I was going like, to say, can I say doing pregnancy great. brain still or just like mom <laughs> brain, I guess, whatever. Um, from Yeah. So this book is called Option B and it's like finding resilience and joy um, really was like a turning point in grief for me because it introduced this theory of post-traumatic growth. So the book really, it, it talks a lot about Cheryl's story and le- losing her husband, but it also goes into stories of like so many other families around the world and kind of like case studies on them. So it goes into people that have started, um, fundraisers or support groups or like these big philanthropic endeavors after a very traumatic event and, or people who have started relationships because of people that they met during their traumatic event. and it introduced this idea to me of like, wait a second, something good can come out of this. You're telling me that this isn't all like downhill from here. Like there's a positive thing that can happen. And that really turned my whole view of it around. Um, That's kind of when I started looking into doing a podcast and saying like, "Hmm, can I make this like not so depressing? Can I make it better? And like we can laugh around things in the darkness or we can see how relationships can be formed and that was one that I like send to people a lot when they are first going through their grief um, modern loss is another phenomenal one rebecca sofer she uh, lost both of her parents like in her early 20s and again can like sit here I had her on the podcast and she's phenomenal and can sit here and just like make you laugh like crazy about terrible things. (laughs) And it's like, well, you have to do it in order to survive. You have to be able to laugh about these things. Um, But so, you know, that's just like such a small snippet of what's out there. And all of it can be done in a way that's not like, You need to get in bed with three boxes of tissues and a a candy bar because you're going to be sobbing your face off when you want to go and confront your grief. It really doesn't have to be that way. You can go and listen to this podcast or read this book or whatever it is and like on your walk to the grocery store and not be a sobbing mess because there are funny and interesting and very intriguing mediums out there that go after this topic.
0: Hmm. yeah and I think that really goes back to just allowing yourself to be present with it right yeah. we're not pushing it away. we're not necessarily like putting it right smack dab in front of our face. we're not giving it a uh, good or bad you know energy we're just being present with it. we're just kind of checking in and be like, okay, grief like where are you at today? yeah where are you hanging out? How are we feeling? Um, You know, and obviously that's going to change day to day, moment to moment, but having that presence where it is something that you're coexisting with, not this thing that you're pushing away until it's going to inevitably spill out and spill over and pretty much like poison every part of your life. Because exactly. the more you put it up on a shelf, the more it's going to essentially spoil and sour, and then it will find its way into all the other aspects of your life. And exactly being able to have that presence and know that that presence is going to come with a certain level of discomfort that you can work to be at peace and comfortable, even in the discomfort, that is the the beauty of it. And for the people listening who have a grieving person in their lives, which I feel like at this point is most of us, I oh, yeah. I didn't even realize um about this club <laughs> until mm-hmm. i became a part of this club but now being a part of this club i'm like hyper aware of anybody yes. who loses anybody i'm like hey like what's going on for you i check in on people i have people that check in on me um this goes back to one of the things that i do want to highlight on this episode being able to send people things to let them know that you're just thinking about them and there are things that are practical and useful, um, that goes a really, really long way because mm-hmm. especially that first year, even now there's a lot of times I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like texting. I don't feel like explaining anything to anybody. Like I'm just in my process. I'm just doing my best to be present. Um, so like having somebody just send me like a very nice candle or, you know, a a very, like we talked about this at at your table, the the eye masks, like the gel eye masks that you can put in the, in the freezer, um, because your eyeballs hurt from crying, things like that to be like, Hey, like I'm here. You don't need to like reciprocate. You don't need to talk, but like, here's this thing that can actually be helpful to you.
1: It's funny. I, you know, we said in the pre-interview, I'm actually going through some family stuff right now that I, cried hard yesterday for the first time in a long time. And I coincidentally also shipped out an order that had included the eye masks um, earlier that day. So like later in the day, and I was like, maybe I need to go into my inventory for a minute, then like <laughs> pull out one of those, those masks. Like I, I hadn't been in that place for such a long time. But I and it kind of I guess it was just like this reassurance of like, oh yeah, like I am doing the right thing here because here I am now all of a sudden needing it and I can see how how uh, helpful it would be when you're, I mean, like my eyes are like still stinging and just to have like a nice, cool gel mask on my eyes was very nice. <laughs> yeah, because I will say like, you know, it, it's weird. I don't know why we do this as
0: people, but like we we when somebody dies, we send food, um, which is it ended up in our case being very helpful because we had family that came to stay with us. Um, and like we weren't eating the food, but we had people in our house that needed food and we weren't cooking. We weren't going to the grocery store. So a lot of that food went to like feed the people that were taking care of us. Yeah. Um, so that was very helpful, but there was definitely also, um, like flowers in my
1: opinion, like are not great. They are not great. Um, flowers die. Um, (laughs) that's what I've always said. I'm like, we send people who are grieving someone dying flowers that also die, but they are, they're pretty, they're nice. And here's the biggest thing. They're convenient. The flower industry has cornered the market and making it easy to quick dial the phone or quick get onto a website, do a few clicks, and you're done. And that's it. There's nothing to have to think about. They, They make it easy. The delivery services are generally quick and pretty painless. So if we can get into the industry of other gifts and make it that way too, then that would be another option. I mean, the same thing is with edible arrangements. I have like this vendetta against edible arrangements. Like oh, how much, yeah. yep. I think it was Rebecca Sofer that said that it was like, how many like star shaped pineapples do I need until my mom comes back? You know. <laughs> and it, it's, it's not that, you know, we, we don't like that. It, it, it. They've just made it very easy. I mean, Christ, they do like same day delivery in some States. So they've made it very easy. And for a person who wants to reach out to a friend and it's like, I want to do whatever I can to possibly make you feel better. I want to put the biggest bouquet of fruit in your room immediately. Edible Arrangements makes that happen.
0: Yeah, and it's just and like honestly, like the fruit doesn't last as long because it's already cut up. And then, like you know, if it's dipped in chocolate, it really doesn't last all that long either. And then, in order to like take care of it, you actually have to take it off the sticks and put it into a container that's it by type of fruit. Like yeah, yeah, it doesn't fit in a fridge, right? Right. Like, and you know what, grieving people. Grieving people do not have the energy for that. They do not. <laughs> um, like I said, we had family staying with us and, you know, we did receive edible arrangements to my family members. If you're listening, thank you for your edible arrangements. Our uh, family that was staying with us did enjoy them. Um, but, you know, for the people who are thinking about potentially being in that situation to send an edible arrangements to a grieving person in the future, I urge you, please, Please reconsider. Please yeah. go to Gianna's online boutique and actually get things. I mean, you know, we needed Advil, we needed Kleenex, we needed tissues, we needed those those gel eye masks that you put in the freezer. Like we had them in abundance because our mm-hmm. faces hurt really, really bad. Squishy pillows, yeah. uh, you know, e- essential oils, candles, we. Tea, again, like we literally were a British family. So like we drank a lot Mm, of tea. Like that was like, you know, anytime someone was in the kitchen, they were making tea. Extra mugs for the tea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things like that. Very helpful.
1: As far as meals, I always think a great thing to do is to send gift cards, whether Mm, it be to a restaurant nearby or like a delivery service like DoorDash or something like that, because it gives them the opportunity to A, get what they want. And B, get it in a timely manner that they want. So like you said, it's like if everyone is sending stuff all at once, you're stuck with all this food and then all of a sudden it all goes bad at once and now you have nothing else. So it would be great to like stockpile gift cards so that you can use them throughout the nights and be like, okay, tonight I really need whatever, comfort food, something, or I can't even eat anything. I just need to have like the smallest bit of whatever just to sustain me. And then I'm going to bed. So it, it gives the family the, um, the choice really, and that longevity with it.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, think of, think about that in terms of just in the beginning, like most, most people are not really like eating a whole heck of a lot. Like we did appreciate people who sent like, um, Non-perishable snacks, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, crackers, things like that. Um, oatmeal packets. Um, that was very, very helpful. I had a lot of friends that li- literally just Venmoed me like twenty bucks, and they were like, "Hey, mm-hmm. like get get coffee or get yeah. you know Doordash or Uber Eats or something like that." And um, and that was really helpful. And the other thing I love that you highlight in your boutique is um, very cozy pajamas and blankets mm-hmm. and things like that. Yes. Because that is so important. That's the thing
1: I've sent to a lot of people. Like, I'll just, and it's simple, you know, like I, I go to Target and get a pair of pajamas and send it out with a little note that says, listen, this is really tough. There's gonna be days when you don't wanna get out of bed, and that is completely fine. So, here is a pair of pajamas for when those days come, and know that you have somebody there for you. Like, this is me giving you a hug on that day. And um, I just think it's something that can be really touching, but again, have a lot of um, an actual like good use to it and doesn't just sit in your fridge and die. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that um, one of my friends who's
0: in the grief club sent were um, like the full body like shower wipes. Mm. Because sometimes when you're a grieving person, showering is like hiking up Mount Everest. Oh, 100%. Um, washing your so face. Oh my God. Washing you your face. Yeah. Not and, the full you know, shower. She literally spent like got made like essential oil body mist and the shower wipes for the body and like makeup wipes for the face and like scrunchies, (laughs) you know. Because there was very dirty messy buns happening for um for a while there. Slipper socks um, were another big thing. I I got a, a heated blanket that was amazing. Um, blankets. That's the other thing is people staying at our house. Like we were low on blankets, and luckily I had some friends that knew what the heck to send and they sent blankets. Um, And so these are the things obviously we're not thinking about like in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why I love, love, love. And I, I said this to you when we first met that you put an online boutique together. So instead of like going on Amazon and Googling like sympathy gifts and like getting a bunch of like random things that may or may not be helpful, you can actually go somewhere and have a curated selection by a person who has experienced this and be able to send it in a very meaningful and personalized way. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I love that you love it so much. Yeah. It's called All the Skies. It's at shopalltheskies.com. And it's funny when you said like, oh, if you were to just go on Amazon, if you do that, so much of this stuff is so antiquated because the way society wants to look at it is that the only people that are dying are in their 80s their 80s or 90s, like those are the only people, Are only people buying sympathy gifts are little old ladies who their friend just lost their husband. That's what society wants to leave it at. They don't want to acknowledge that people that are in their teens, 20s, 30s can be losing parents and siblings and friends and family members. And that the things that they might be looking for are not just like what a little old lady would want. So I wanted to be able to make something that had a little bit of an edge to it. it was like you know a little um, trendier in 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 terms of some of the products that I have. So I definitely want to you know once I'm out of this uh pregnancy and maternity loop that I've been on, I, I definitely wanna add some more products to the store and create some more uh brand partnerships and, and bring a couple other brands in to be able to have a, a bigger selection so that people can, can come to the boutique and come to all the skies and say, you know what, I'm putting together a beautiful box for a friend and I want to send these things that are that that feel like her right like you want to open this box and be like oh this is this is me this person is thinking of me specifically and not an 80 year old woman mhm
0: yeah and that was even you know when i went through my pregnancy loss um i i there was several friends that sent me like really thoughtful gifts that i was like wow they really get me they really understand me and obviously the things that i really benefited from after experiencing that loss were a little bit different, you know, than what I experienced with, you know, the loss of my dad and what was going to be supportive at that time. So I think that that's also another piece to it is like, there's not like one size fits all in terms of grief gifts. Like (laughs) it's really kind of specific for the loss and the person and being able to go and like actually curate, you know, something that is so thoughtful and meaningful. Um, I I just feel like that just being known that you re- are are thought of and yes like you know somebody's thinking about you if they send flowers or an edible arrangement or whatever I'm not I'm not saying that like that doesn't equate to like oh someone's thinking about me but everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I am big 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 on intention. So I think if you can add that extra layer of intention into how you're supporting a grieving person, it really goes a long way.
1: Which I love what you said about Venmo. A friend of mine did this for me a couple of years ago and just sent me a Venmo that was like, here's $5 for a coffee. Hope your day gets better. And I absolutely loved that. And I do that with some people now too. And like as simple as that is, there's a way to have intention behind that too. And, you know, so for her, it was just like, you know, go get a coffee. Um, but for other friends that I've done it, like, I know my one friend loves an Americano from this one specific coffee shop. So like in the Venmo, I'm like, use this for an Americano from this coffee shop and get the, you know, apple crumb cake on the side where it's like, I know that's something that she really loves. And it's so simple to be able to, to do it in that way. Mm hmm
0: yeah i I love that too and I think just you know encouraging people to take time to take care of themselves, whether it's yeah money for a massage or a facial or to go sit in a salt cave or you know whatever that might be that they feel like they can do to help recharge and replenish um I think that that's really a beautiful way to support people and also giving them the freedom and flexibility to do it in their own time because you know I wasn't I don't think I could have gotten through a massage without Horrible, horrible sobbing. Oh no, um, I was the probably same way. for the first like six, seven months yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I'm like, don't touch me. Don't mm-hmm. touch me. <laughs> yeah. Which is a is a weird, a weird piece that, you know, I think a lot of people can can relate to. But honestly, it, it really means so much. Um, this was a really I will say like this was something that I was like, oh, I
1: don't really feel like talking about this stuff today, but like I remember feeling that way in the beginning of my podcast when I first started being like, Oh, I have this podcast interview today. I don't, I'm having a good day. Don't make me talk about grief. Mm -hmm. And then like every time I would come out of it being like, that was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) like, you know, I'm like
0: sitting here wrapping up this interview with you. I'm like, you know what? That was great. That was really good. Like this was my way of being really present with this today and also. Yes, your work is done today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like knowing I'm not alone, knowing that anyone listening to this, like you're not alone, that whatever experience you're having of this is real and valid. And even if it's weird delusions about applying for a lottery or thinking that there's like, you know, a weird expiration date that if you can like, you know, just be a good enough griever for a year, the your person will come back. Yeah. Whatever it is, hopefully you got a little bit of support and validation from listening to us chat about this today and For the people listening, Gianna, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Um, We will link everything in the show notes, including the boutique, the guide, all that good stuff. What else can they do to kind of become a part of this?
1: Best place to find me is on Instagram at So Sorry with Gianna. The podcast is everywhere that you would listen. Apple, Spotify, you know, uh, Google Player, wherever you're going. It's called So Sorry for Your Loss. If you're grieving, I'm sure you've heard that before, so it'll be easy to remember. Uh, the store is shopalltheskies.com, and then my website is giannadimedio.com. and it'll have everything all together there. I have some YouTube videos. I have um, a lot of blogs up. And then I also have that grief guide uh, that I mentioned in the beginning, about a 20-page PDF with tons of resources that you will need in this journey of grief. So please reach out to me anywhere. I always love to connect with somebody who needs some help. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank, Thank you for you. being here today. You're amazing. Thank you so much. There you have it. Another episode of the Sacred Leadership
0: Podcast on the books. I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights. Remember, exceptional leaders share the wealth. Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.